Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, alongside none other than John Tesh. John, how you doing? I'm, I'm well. I'm very excited about this interview. Okay, so me too. Our guest this week is Joshua Becker. He is the author of the new book, Minimalist Home. Now, we've talked, we had, we had Cal Newport talking about digital minimalism. We've talked about Marie Kondo and all of the trends associated with it, but this trend of minimalism is a really, really big hot deal. And and Josh has some really interesting things to say about it. He's got a lot of different perspectives on it, his own personal anecdote for how he got into minimalism. But the real takeaway for me, and I'm not going to ruin the interview because you should hear all of it, is that not only are we wasting money buying stuff, but even in holding on to the stuff, we are actually creating more chronic stress in our life. Just oh, all of the things, keeping them organized, moving them from place to place, all of that, it adds. And just the idea that we have it somewhere is adding stress yeah. to our lives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our subconscious mind records that too, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so he's got some really practical steps uh, for, for how to begin minimalism and how to start training your mind to be more minimalist. And another real nice takeaway, I think, is that this idea that uh, when you have less stuff, you can actually have nicer stuff. So you have fewer sets of clothing, yeah. but you yeah. have nicer clothes. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you're spending less money overall, so you get the better quality stuff. And I think it's a great point. You can also find the nice stuff. Because I can't, <laughs> exactly. you know, sometimes I'm like, exactly. and, and, and Connie's always saying, hey, why don't you go shopping in your closet? But now, what, and let's, let's talk chicken and the egg. Because you and your wife and your family just went through a thing with your house where you went uh, heavy duty minimal. So had you booked this interview beforehand? I mean, because you were t- tossing out clutter and, and, and yeah. cleaning, cleaning up your house. Yes, uh, we had we I had done this interview before we started doing that. That's wild. But but look, we had also started. I mean, we'd started this idea of of simplifying and being more minimal prior to this. But it's because it's it's in the DNA, it's in the water of our society right now. Because I think, and Josh speaks to this, we have consumed so much as a society. We are everything is. I mean, look. If something doesn't show up at my door in two days, I get frustrated, I know, right? I know. The amount of consumption that we're doing is not improving our lives. And I think people are starting to realize, oh, I don't need more. I need to value what I have more. Right. And that is at the foundation of minimalism. It's why it's so trendy. So if you're curious at all about this trend, uh, if you've seen Marie Kondo and you're and you know you, this is something you're passionate about, uh, then this is an interview that you definitely want to listen to and share with somebody who just has too much stuff. So before we get going with the interview, and I cannot wait because uh, yeah, you've had a look around my studio and you know what needs to uh, whatever. You know, stuff needs to go. I've started. I actually hired a uh, concierge, a uh, anti clutter concierge. Is that right? Her name is Lauren. Yeah, she's the she is is amazing, and uh, so I have a bunch of stuff down at the office anyway that's organized. But I mean, uh, but I digress. It's not bad. Okay, it's, but you you work in the different corners of this off of this studio. <laughs> I do. Speaking of trends, okay, so there's this new trend now. We can't get enough workouts. You know, when, when CrossFit came through, and God bless the guy that did that because he's making a fortune because he actually trademarked CrossFit. Oh, and you gotta get, you got to pay a licensing fee if you want to open yeah, a CrossFit yeah. gym. There's also, if you, if you go to, uh, to YouTube and you Google uh, or you search workout like a dog, you're going to find what I'm about to tell okay. you. I want to get your take on this, Gabe, before we get going here with the interview. Uh, the workout is called Workout Like a Dog. It's the world's first fitness class where – um, the humans act like they, they exercise like dogs. Mm-hmm. So this is real. Are, now all of them are, are in a 45-minute aerobic workout, and they've been adapted from well-known dog exercises. So you know where I'm going Well-known here. dog exercises? So there's a high-intensity exercise in this uh, called, uh, you know, it's inter- interval training fetch. <laughs> Stop. One of the, one of the, come on, it makes sense, no, right? Here, I, wanted, I, just, I want you guys to picture this right now. Uh, a guy, hipster dude, you know, just, just, just jacked. 
and with the beard, you know, and the close cropped haircut and the high end workout gear on, the like custom shoes and all right. that stuff, <laughs> the arm sleeve tattoos, the big shoulders, shows up to the workout gym and uh, and the trainer's there and he's all, you know, like modern, like Lululemon men and then, and, and he's got a he's got a tennis ball and he's throwing it against the wall and the guy with the beard's like running after it and afterwards like good workout, bro. Let's go have a Michelob Ultra. <laughs> well, he's probably got one of those plastic tennis ball throwers too. Yeah, that, right. That, Yo, he's going tendonitis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then after he's finished with this Jack guy, thanks for painting that picture. He's finished with the uh, the interval training fetch. Then is the weight training, and that's tug of war, which, which dogs love. Yeah. Dog, dog. And then for agility, there's uh, uh, fetch the frisbee. Yeah. Um, and then of course for the cool down, uh, downward dog uh, from yoga. And then at the end, the participants all get excited and they all howl like a dog together. I, I, I swear, mean, look, if, you, if you search this, you're going to see it. It's real. Look, dogs are pack animals. We are social animals. I see some of the benefits there. The only music they'll play during these gym sessions is Snoop Dogg. The, uh, oh, good. Or who let the, the, only, dog, who let the dogs out. The only you know? television show they can watch is Dog the Bounty Hunter. Oh, gosh. Good or, job. Yeah. Hey, look, we could go a lot of ways with this. But for me, there's nothing more than the like, hyper-focused CrossFit-style people Going into a gym and playing fetch. This has to be a big gym. Maybe they're going to do it outside. You or, know, because... or just at a dog park. <laughs> That's a smelly workout right there. Uh, so what we're trying to do here is just give you guys a couple of conversation starters before we help you uh, minimalize your life uh, with Gibbs' interview. But uh, one more, Gib, before I let you go, before, before we launch you into your interview. Uh, apparently, uh, banana bread is an aphrodisiac. So... Okay. Uh, a neurologist, Dr. Alan Hirsch from the Smell and Taste Treatment Research Foundation, says that uh, it's simply, especially women, simply taking deep sniffs of banana bread, uh, he found triggered increased activity in the arousal center of women's brains by a full 12 to 15%. They use those, uh, those fMRI machines, those portable Crazy. MRI machines on, on, on women's brains. Uh-huh. Uh, the, when the brain's olfactory system, he says, perceives certain warm and homey fragrances, it releases uh, brain chemicals that make us feel happy, relaxed, and loving. So, it'll get you in the mood for love, banana bread. Okay. First of all, the first person this worked on was Faye Ray. I'll let you let that one sink in for a second. Because, you know. Oh, King, wow. You got yeah. that all the way to the Empire State Building in King Kong? Yeah, there you go. Wow. Secondly, uh, I feel like. I feel like. I'm just, I forget that. I'm just so excited <laughs> I got the reference. <laughs> Faye Ray falls in love with King Kong. Uh, yeah, okay. And he smells like bananas. The, uh, uh, in fact, at Universal Studios, they have a special banana spray on the, his breath for the giant animatronic. I know, I've yeah. smelled it. Uh, anyway, I feel like we should market a banana bread cologne because yeah, well, if yeah. this is working, it should. Wait, why not? Why not? You know, for all the guys at the club next weekend, they're all going to be showing up to the club. It's going to smell instead of like Dracar Noir. <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> sure, that's that's what Lenny wore. All <laughs> I'm the time. sure it is. <laughs> it's a very popular. Uh, you can imagine. Imagine the club going guy putting on too much Dracar Noir right now, but instead you're going to go to the club. You're going to be wearing banana bread by Tesh. Yeah. And you're gonna and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. every and every woman's gonna be asking to dance with you. I think this is our our new business. And, and, and you, you, have a, you, have, you have a friend. You have a friend who can never get a date, and you just you know you can, come on over to the house, dude. Open and, a bakery. Yeah, and you put him. You put banana bread in his in all of his uh, pockets and everything. Like, like if you're snorkeling, you put bread in somebody's pocket. All the fish come around. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, set this up. All right, so here it is, Joshua Becker. He's going to talk. Author of Minimalist Home. Uh, he's going to talk all about why you need to be minimalist and what it means to be minimalist. Joshua Becker, thank you so much for being with us today on Intelligence for Your Life. Well, thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Appreciate you guys. Uh, we appreciate you. And now, so you've you've got a uh, you've got a new a new book uh, out. 
right? The Minimalist Home. Yes, came out December 18th. Okay. And first three print first three printings all sold out. Are we mentioning that? I get to mention that, right? You right, look, if you can sell out a printing, you get to mention you get to put that on your tombstone for all I care. That's that's <laughs> okay. that's an I don't I don't know that people realize what a huge deal that is. I don't think Stephen King did that with Carrie, his first big book. But um I think part of what you, the reason why it's so successful is that right now uh I feel like minimalism is is trending. I mean, but digital minimalism, practical minimalism. Look at the success of Marie Kondo, and and I. I but I, I think it goes beyond that. We look at shows like Hoarders. Like when I watch Hoarders, I get physically uncomfortable, and I my first reaction is I immediately have to go into my closet and start getting rid of stuff. Like I get anxiety watching the stuff that people are holding on to, and I realize that I'm doing the same thing. Why do you think we have as a as Western society right now this uh, obsession with minimalism all of a sudden? Well, I think there are dozens of reasons. Uh, I think maybe the probably the two primary reasons um, is number one. I think we've we've reached a level of peak stuff uh, that we have been told. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've been told for decades and decades that we'll be happier if we buy more stuff. Um, and I, I think at at some point we as a society we're going to come to the realization that that. That that wasn't true. Um, mm-hmm. That we were being kind of sold a, a bill of goods there, and so I mean, ever since World War II, uh, things have been getting more and more accessible and more and more mm. affordable. Uh, average American home has tripled in size in the last 50 years, yes. and still 10% of us rent offsite storage. And so I think that there was going to be a a general reaction and movement at some point um, that we were just going to reach a level of having too much stuff, uh, which many people are coming to that realization. The second one, uh, the second reason is I think that the when you look at the different generations um, living today, we're all reaching a point where we are um, uh, drawn to the idea of owning less. Uh, mm-hmm. The silent generation reaching the end of their life. The the baby boomers are beginning to retire and downsize. Mm-hmm. Uh, the millennial generation, which has never been interested in buying things, and then uh, Gen X, which is where I am right in the middle. We've yep. We're kind of stuck, you know. We got baby boomer parents giving us more and more stuff, right. and we got more as and my, more kids as in my our folks family. Are downsizing, I get as my folks are downsizing, I get all their stuff. I I, I don't yeah. want it. I don't want it. But keep going. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I just think generationally, we're at a point where uh, where it's good. I think technology is making minimalism more possible than ever before. In my uh, in my cell phone, I can carry books and movies mm-hmm. and music, and mm-hmm. credit cards and maps, and so. Uh, minimum, uh, the whole growth of the sharing economy that's taking place, certainly environmental concern uh, is a big factor as well. So I, I just think a lot of a lot of different reasons. Um, I've been writing about it for 10 years. And so it's at, which was at the beginning of the global recession, which also a number of people got right. into minimalism at that point as well. Yeah. So for, for more practical reasons. OK, so so what brought you uh, was it the recession that brought you to minimalism to this to this end? Like, I mean, everybody's got a personal story with it. No, uh, spring cleaning is what brought me, brought me into it. Uh, Ten years ago, I was uh, living in Vermont, and I was cleaning out my garage. Uh, my son Salem was five years old at the time, and I I was just I just thought it'd be a simple project clean out the garage. And hours later, I'm still working on it. Um, my son's begging me to come play with him. I just keep pushing him off. You know, I'm almost mm-hmm. done. I'm almost done. Uh, my neighbor was the first one actually to use the word minimalism as I complained a little bit about how much time had gone into this project. Uh, she said, you know, my daughter's a minimalist. Maybe you don't need to own so much stuff. 
And maybe, I, maybe I looked not. At the, yeah. And I looked at the pile of things in my driveway, you know, dirty and dusty. I'd spent all morning taking care of, knowing full well that my possessions weren't making me happy, or at least I would have said that. But out of the corner of my eye, I see my five-year-old son swinging alone on the swing set in the backyard Mm. uh, where he'd been all morning long and suddenly had this realization, not only were my possessions not making me happy, my possessions were taking me away from the very thing that did bring me happiness in life and purpose and fulfillment and joy. Um, So that was my story. And I think it's the beginning of minimalism for most people where Uh, It's not just that my things aren't making me happy. My things are distracting my life and my resources Mm. from the things that would bring me happiness if I was freed up to pursue them. Right. And then and we just become they're like an albatross around our necks where we we have no choice but to just serve them and wear them and deal with them uh, on a a day to day basis. So. uh, So, okay. so so minimalism, you feel like. You feel like it. The, our stuff is taking away from us, but because I, I, like my family, we're like goldfish. We grow to the size of our house. We grow to the size of our budget. Like whatever it is, we are not good at living a certain way and then and letting everything else be empty. We we have to grow to the size of our house. You think that's like a? Do you think there's something innate about that, or do you think that's something we can fix? Like, are we all are we kind of doomed to be these minimalists or anti-minimalists consumers? Oh, no. I, I mean, I, I like to think that I kind of overcame that in, in my life. Um, what it is, is it is about learning, I think, to embrace a more intentional way of life. Um, I don't I don't think anyone, you know, I don't think you sit across the table from anyone and say, what do you most want to do with your life? And no one says, I just want to own the biggest house that I can and fill it with as much <laughs> stuff as I can, right? Like, that's not that that's not our greatest goal in no. life. No one defines success, you know, in the deepest of, of hearts that way. Right, but we get distracted what, by that notion. Yes. But what like we just we get fed all these advertise five thousand advertisements every single day. Mm-hmm. They all tell mm-hmm. us that we'll be happier if we buy more. Mm-hmm. I think there tends to be some internal I had jealousy and selfishness and greed and wanting to impress others. Like there's that, this comes those internal forces as well. And I think they just merge together and we just end up, you know, clicking to ship things on Amazon and we're yeah. buying things on sale yeah. at Target and Kohl's. And without even realizing it, we've wasted money and time and energy and in, you know, too much of our lives on things that don't actually matter. And you just think that that all of a sudden we've 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 hit such peak consumerism at this point, like like you said, since World War II, since we got in this post-industrial, processed everything, everything easy and quick world. All uh, we've just filled our life with cheap stuff, and we and people have just realized that it's that it's that it's not it's not making them happy. I mean, like why? why? I just don't understand why all of a sudden. Because when I was growing up, you could get cheap plastic toys. You could get cheap stuff. I, I don't understand why, like now in 2019, everybody is looking to minimalism. I mean, even back even back then, things weren't nearly as accessible and uh, affordable as as they are now. How how quickly we can how quickly we can get things, um, how much stuff that that we have. It's when you when you think of human history, like mm-hmm. the history of mankind, mm-hmm. uh, this. This era that we're living in, the amount of stuff that we own is pretty unique. Actually, it's yeah. entirely unique. Never before in human history have 
human beings owned as much stuff as we possibly can. And uh, if you're looking at a timeline, you know, the last 60 years or so of this, you know, constant growth, um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think we, uh, you know, when, when 10% of Americans rent offsite storage and um, we, we see all the things that we have, it's, it's a relatively new movement in history. And um, yeah, I think people are starting to push back against it. Yeah. Luckily. Okay. Oh, okay. So, so you come to this realization, you come to this realization that your stuff is not making you happy. In fact, you go so far as to say, and I, and I, I happen to absolutely, absolutely agree with you. My, my family's going through this right now. We are starting to, to strip down stuff. And, and, you know, I think the greatest thing to help you start minimalism is to move because you start to realize how much stuff you have to pack up. So you take a look around you realize that this is keeping you from your son. This is keeping you from your time with your family. It's making you unhappy. Not just not making you happy. It's making you unhappy. What, uh, what is your first step? What, what, what is the first step in your journey? What do you do? Uh, my first step is I told my wife uh, that I think we should get rid of some things. And I am glad that she agreed. <laughs> uh, not, not everyone gets agreement. Um, but I think for the most part, you know, you tend to get some buy in, um, even if it's just you can get rid of your stuff, don't get rid of mine. But um, no, I, I mentioned it to my wife, and uh, I got buy-in from her. Um, so we we started going through the home, and uh, we took a process of easiest to hardest um, through our home. Mm. Uh, so it wasn't, hey, I'm starting in the garage, I'm starting in the basement, I'm starting by getting rid of my sentimental items. It was like, what are some easy places where we can implement these principles? And actually, the first thing I did was my car, because my car was parked out on the street. And so I pulled it into the garage. And I just like, there's maps and CDs and receipts and coins and toys. And mm. like, none of this stuff needs to be in my car. And so I put it all in the bag and set it on the side of the garage. And the next morning, I sat down in my vehicle, and it felt so calm and peaceful like i could focus on my day rather than the red plastic ball rolling around in the back seat mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and just i i said where else where else can we do this so we went to the living room and then the bedroom and the clothes closets and the bathrooms and just easiest to hardest always saving the the toughest spaces for last a little bit like running a marathon right you don't run your 26 miles your first day out you run right. half a mile and then one right. mile to kind of build up that muscle I mean, I, I feel like, too, uh, you know, you talk in, in, in some of your blogs on your website, Becoming Minimalist, about just the, the psychological power that these things have over you. Like, I, 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 you mentioned cleaning out your car. So I think of all the stuff I have in my car, and, I, and it's all stuff that I need to process. It's things that I need to go through, but I, I don't have time in the moment, and so it just sits there. And not only am I carrying around this stuff and hurting my gas mileage— but I'm also thinking of, oh, I have to go through that stuff. And it's just taking so much mental energy. Yes, because it's always on our mind, right? We yeah. oh, Every time we pull into the garage, oh, I really need to go through that. I, I'm, I don't spend my days down in the basement, but I know there's boxes of stuff down there that right. eventually somebody has to go through. Like everything we own has to be dealt with mm -hmm. by someone at some point or another. Uh, Randy Elkhorn, he says, um, every increased possession adds increased anxiety onto yes. our lives, uh, which is so very true because every, every object that we own takes up physical space in our home. It also takes up a little mental space in our mind. And, uh, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that we don't really recognize that 
how much of a burden our possessions have become mm-hmm. until we begin to remove them and free ourselves. And we're like, wow, I never realized what I was missing. What are some of the immediate benefits that people get from becoming minimalist like that you experience personally or that you've oh, seen in, in your research? Like so many short-term, so many long-term. I mean, um, whenever I speak on this, one of the things that I have people do is turn to their neighbor and I say, if you were to own less things, how would your life begin to improve? And uh, I've never asked it to a quiet room. Like <laughs> immediately, you know, dozens of things start popping up. We have we have more time, right? Because we're doing less cleaning and organizing mm-hmm, and managing, mm-hmm. maintaining. Uh, we'd have more money because we're we're buying less, we're taking care of less, less stress, um, opportunity for more contentment in life, uh, more gratitude for the things that we do have, uh, less comparison with other people. Uh, I find that I started living a life that was a better example for my kids. Mm. I used to get so mad at my kids that they would want anything and everything, and yet I was doing the same thing right. with my own life. Right. right. Like I just go out and buy it. Uh, better life for the environment. Um, Opportunity to own higher quality things, yes. uh, which I don't think people realize that the being frugal and being minimal are different. If I'm going to own, you know, fewer pairs of clothes, I can own, you know, nicer ones. Uh, what else? Uh, more space available in the home, more calm. Which creates a, uh, a, a, an absolute mental calmness. So we, a, empty space is really important. Like we, we, like you said, we have these larger and larger homes. We keep filling it up. We don't get to enjoy the serious benefit of having empty space in our home. Yeah, I'm just in, involves, you know, every every physical thing is a, a form of physical uh, visual distraction. Mm-hmm. You know, everything around you just calls for your attention, even if it's just for uh, for a split second. Uh, and so creating some of these open spaces where our mind isn't distracted all the time, but our, our mind can really um, enter into deep thought and deep reflection and, and deep work is uh, incredibly valuable and important. Mm-hmm. So uh, you uh, you talk in or write in, in some of your blogs about about the um about the fact that we can't just reorganize. We have to stop consuming as much. In other words, you, you, you touched on a little bit just now where, where when you really embrace minimalism, one of the first steps would be to stop buying so much. And, and how does yeah. that, uh, <laughs> how, yeah. how do we, how do we do that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that's a whole long conversation. Um, let me say one thing, just, I don't want anyone to have any misinterpretations here. Um, I, I think minimalism looks very different from one person to another, mm-hmm. one family to another, one occupation to another, uh, stage of life where you're living. Like minimalism is very freeing and flexible and is going to look different from person to person. Right. Uh, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, Marie Kondo's uh, tidying up show on Netflix, which is a great and doing wonderful. And uh, I'm, I'm for anyone who helps people um, own less stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, you know, the two places that have benefited the most from the show is a goodwill. Right. Uh, we've know, done those stories. We've donations. done those stories on the air. It's unbelievable. And, uh, and the, and the second one is the container store. <laughs> um, as right, uh, because people think, you know, well, if I just had the right container, then I could keep yeah. all my stuff and I could yeah. just organize it better. Um, but organizing is always only a temporary solution. You know, we organize something today, only to have to organize it again tomorrow. Right. Uh, organizing stuff better is is never the answer to your problem, or the problem would have been solved a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the need is to own less stuff. Uh, the need is to to minimize. And um, uh, once something is removed from your home, it's uh, it's gone permanently, and uh, your life is freed up immediately. Is there a paradigm that we could use 
to sort of define i mean i know i know marie kondo's once you own something how you define whether you keep it but like i i feel like a lot of our need our desire for things is so subconscious what is the how can we bring that to our consciousness like when we're when we're thinking about ordering something or we're thinking we're sitting at target we're thinking about buying something what paradigm can we use to decide if if that's something that we're going to buy or not is there is there a trick to that um, you know, probably the, the one that has been the most helpful for me, uh, not that this is an easy question to answer, but it's been the longest lasting and most helpful to me is, uh, could my money and time be spent on something better? Ooh. Uh, because that really what, what minimalism is, is minimalism is the, the promotion of the things we most value. Um, by removing anything that distracts us from it. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we get clear on, like, what do I want to accomplish with my life? Mm -hmm. uh, who do I want to be and what do I want to do? Uh, what do I want to be remembered as? Uh, when we start keeping those things on the forefront of our mind and we start realizing that our money and our time can be spent on things far more valuable yeah. than that thing that we're about to purchase, yeah. even if it's just beginning to support a local charity that you believe in, like mm -hmm. finding a cause, a problem that you want to solve. Uh, when you start walking down those footsteps, you start realizing that there's more joy in helping people than there is in buying a bigger screen television yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's not an easy, you know, filter. I mean, but it's, but I think essentially it's the, it's the one that is the most uh, longest lasting and uh, most effective. I mean, that paradigm exists in the movie Schindler's List, right? At the end of the movie, he's looking at mm. his wedding ring going, how many people could I have saved with this? And like, as that's an extra, obviously it's a very extreme example of the paradigm, but it's essentially the same thing you're talking about where you start to look at the things you're spending money on. You think, do I need to get another Polly Pocket for my kids? Or do I need to get another plastic toy? Uh, do, would that enrich their lives more or would maybe... Uh, gymnastics classes or or AYSO be a be a better a better thing. Yes, or a, a trip with my family. Man, your example is perfect and genius, and I think I'm going to steal it from, from <laughs> now on. So <laughs> it's a great illustration. Yeah, go go nuts. Uh, just just credit me. Uh, the uh, <laughs> so why do you think why do you think we are responding to the idea of minimalism? In other words. You, I mean, I hear you say that there are these benefits that it, it quiets our minds. Like, why, what, what do you think it is innately in us that is quieted by having less stuff? Why aren't we programmed to be hoarders? You know, why, why does this create peace? Uh, because I think deep down, we all know that we were uh, created um, for something greater than uh, pursuing and accumulating material possessions. Um, I think that we, uh, we, we know that to be true. When, whenever I speak, I. Uh, literally the first thing I tell people, I'll tell the room is, look, I'm not here to tell you anything new. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just here to remind you something of what you already know to be true, um, that your life is too valuable to waste it, uh, chasing and accumulating material possessions. Uh, it's just that we have been, we've just been fed the opposite story for so long. Yeah. 5,000 advertisements every single day. And they all tell us that we'll be happier, more fulfilled, our life will be more convenient if we buy whatever they're selling. Uh, and we we start to to believe it far more than we, we realize that we do until I think someone comes along 
with the opposite message and we we watch the Netflix show or we we read the minimalist home book or you know we uh, we see someone else talking about this and and we're like yep you're right I've got too much stuff uh, my life would be better with less you have uh, on your blog I, I I think that's phenomenal you have on your blog uh, 15. Uh, it's one of my favorite, 15 clutter-busting routines for any family. And one of the things I've started doing recently, uh, your number one is to place junk mail immediately into a recycling bin. And I felt I feel like mail piling up, especially snail mail, it's it, it just it sits there because nobody ever has time. I get so much more mail than I need. I get so many things from my, you know, my, my, about my mortgage that I really, that they legally have to send me, but I don't need to read that. Like that, I, I, okay, yeah, you're changing, you know, something changed at, 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 at my bank. And so I have to, you know, it, it makes no difference. My payment stays the same. Um, I, everything's fine, but they have to send me these like legal notices, but I just have piles of it. And then, and, and it just sits there. And one of the things we started doing is A, checking the mail every day and B, Getting just filtering out, even if we can't go through the mail yet, put getting rid of the stuff that just that we know we don't need, like all of the credit card offers that we're not going to take, and all of that, and and the flyers for for things we're not going to do, and it makes such a big difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just a, a reality that things are going to enter our home. Um, right. My kids are 16 and 12 now. Oh, they were geez. five and two um, when this when this first started, and uh, things. Things enter um, daily from school and church and mailbox and and any number of different places, and uh, the the problem is we we don't tend to have you know good habits for getting rid of those things um, you know daily habits or weekly habits seasonal habits um, I, like I I try to live as minimalist a life as as I can and we got rid of sixty seventy percent of our things um, over the course of nine months when we implemented some of these principles, but it doesn't mean that I, I still don't daily have to, you know, tidy up and have to wash the dishes after every meal and have to deal with the junk mail as soon as it comes in the door. Mm-hmm. But because I own fewer things, I have found that those habits are far easier to right. do. Uh, that when we have a cluttered home, that clutter just seems to attract clutter and like, oh, I'll get through the mail, but I really should pick up the toys in the living room. And I, I got all these, the bed hasn't been made and there's mm-hmm. all these clothes piled up for laundry. But when we get to a far uh, a far easier s- spot to, to manage our mm-hmm. home um, and allow it to become the place that it should be for us, uh, I find that those daily habits are are far easier, and uh, and we're more attracted to them. Like we want to keep our home uh, in a spot where it's you know serves its purpose well. Uh, I feel like if you're single, a lot of this, or even uh-huh. if you just don't have kids, a lot of this is a lot easier to implement, right? Because yeah, uh, how do we avoid? I, I I don't know. I spend a lot of time at work, and I I feel a lot of guilt when I'm with my kids, so I end up buying them more stuff than they need. Just be it's a it's a terrible cycle as a parent. Um, so what, how do we get our kids to buy into this and would we be depriving them by doing that? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I, I suppose you, sh- you should ask my kids, um, <laughs> if they think they're deprived. Um, look, e- you're right. Like, um, I-, I think that, that a family makes minimalism more difficult, um, for sure. Well, anytime there's more than one person living in a spot, anything is anything and everything is more difficult. Uh, I think it, it family makes minimalism more difficult, but I, I am convinced that having a family makes minimalism even more important. Yeah. 
Um, because we we need to because we have other responsibilities, uh, more important responsibilities than taking care of things, and so we need to free up our our money and time and uh, energy in order to do that. But the second thing, like I mentioned earlier, is our kids are watching us and our kids are learning from us. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I I can walk through a Target store and and see a child throwing a fit in the shopping cart and uh, the mom getting really flustered and upset over it. And I, I'm, I'm just thinking in the back of my head, like, you know, the kid didn't drive themselves to target. Like right. they're, they're in the store because you wanted to buy something for yourself. Granted, it was a need for your home, of course. But, um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's just what we do when we go to target. We, we see things on the shelf and we, we, we take them home. So they're just doing what, what you think, what they think they're supposed to be doing. But yeah. Gosh, I, I, I'm I'm honestly a big fan of saying no to my kids. I, I think it's helpful for them uh, to hear no. I think it's helpful for them to see limitations in life. Um, always, I, I explain it always. Hey, we're not going to buy that because we're going to use our money for this. No, mm-hmm. we're not going to buy a bigger home because we're able to do these things because we have a smaller house. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, learning to live within boundaries is helpful for kids. If they don't learn how to live within boundaries, then they don't become adults who set boundaries mm-hmm. um, in their life. How do you deal with sentimentality? You know, I, we, 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 every once in a while, you know, like you do a spring cleaning, we, we do a purge of the kids' toys as they grow out of clothes and stuff. And, and, uh, and I have the same problem. I look at things and I go, I'm not going to wear that shirt again, but that was like the last thing my grandmother bought me. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, I know it's yeah. dumb, but I have, but it's in my heart and it's, it's hard for me to, to get rid of some of that stuff. And it's really hard for my kids to get rid of some toys, not because they play with the toy a lot, but because they remember it was a present from somebody. They remember mm-hmm. something they have, they remember a time it was comforting to them and they don't want to get rid of it. Yeah. Um, only the best. Um, that's the, the mantra that I take with sentimental things. Uh, we typically hold on to sentimental items because they represent a relationship. They represent an accomplishment or they represent an experience. Um, and so when you, when you can picture that and think of, okay, uh, these are the objects that represent that past relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, then you take the next step of saying, okay, what are the like only the best that represent that? I don't need boxes and boxes in my basement that represent that relationship because right. it becomes too much. Mm-hmm. I don't get to see any of them. It's just a burden carrying it forward. I can't walk into the next season of life if I'm carrying everything from my previous season of life into it. Um, so less is different than none. I, I don't think you have to get rid of all sentimental things, but uh, one, two, three items. Um, maybe try to, for people who really struggle with it, try to cut your collection in half, you know, cut uh, cut your objects in half. Uh, sometimes I think those boundaries help us reckon, help us identify the kind of important from oh yeah, this piece really represents what my father was to me and the mm-hmm. values that I want to incorporate into my life going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, like you said, I think that's, that's. I think we hold on to too but, much to represent that sentimentality. Yeah. And, 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 and I'll just mention again, but I, I don't think anyone should start there. Like, I don't think this is the first step for anyone right, is, right. I, you know, I'm going to get rid of everything that my grandmother gave me. Right. Uh, get rid of the stuff in your home that, that is easy to get rid of. Start to see some of the benefits uh, and enjoy what life looks like owning less. And then you'll get to the sentimental things and you'll mm-hmm. say, okay, now how am I going to implement some of these principles here right. as well? Right. Okay. So do you have like a like a cleanse thing that, like, to start yourself off or is is the key to just 
start small and do a little bit every day. I feel like some people will get, I mean, for me, I get motivated for minimalism. I fill a box for, for goodwill and, and then, um, and then my enthusiasm starts to wane over time. Like how, how do you maintain that? And how do you, how do you shock your system into this? Yeah. Uh, it starts, uh, I start everyone with a, with a thought piece. Um, I, I say, finish, finish the sentence. Uh, I desire to own less so that I can what, um, whatever it is for you, uh, you want to travel more, uh, you want to spend more time with your family. Um, uh, it, you know, it'll, it'll spark your faith in some way. You want to be able to give more, you want to downsize, you want to retire. It's going to look different for anyone and everyone. Uh, and then I tell them to take that sentence and literally tape it on your bathroom mirror. Um, you know, there's some of these multi-level marketing and they'll like make this dream board of the boats you want to own and the cars right, you want right. to own and, you know, put it on a bulletin board and it'll inspire you to make as much money as you possibly can. Um, and there's there's some truth to that, you know, reality that that when we see the, the mountaintop, when we see the goal, it, it helps us, you know, over the course of the hike. And so, um, so finish that sentence and and put it somewhere where you can see it, and it it will motivate you because you'll remember, um, you know, the the goal isn't to own less stuff. the The goal is to live the life you want to be living. Owning less will just help you get there sooner and help you get there better and achieve more of it. Um, so that's the thought piece that I that I tell people to start with, and um, seems to work pretty well. That's that's amazing. Now you you add another layer to to the idea of minimalism. You you bring your you bring faith into it, and that and you talked about earlier about being created for uh, being created to not to to live a, a better life, not to live a life that's pursuing stuff. Um, how how did you come to that conclusion? Well, I was a pastor for 15 years oh, wow. uh, before doing what uh, what I'm doing now, um, and uh, so my my faith has always been important to me and uh, has always been an essential piece. Um, I, it's very interesting because, uh, well, number one, um, you know, Christianity isn't the only religion that talks about owning less. As oh a matter yeah. Of fact, I think yeah. like like most like most respected religious leaders of all time have talked about, you know, not falling right. into the trappings of worldly possessions and, yeah. and worldly pleasures. So um, it certainly, uh, you know, even crosses different, uh, different faiths. But um, for me in, in my Christian faith, no, no there's no Zen uh, Buddhist like, walking around going, you know, go buy more transformer dolls. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. I, um, they're not doing a lot of, you know, paid advertisements, yeah. um, celebrity endorsements. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, um, Jesus talked a lot about owning less uh, and 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 the benefits of it. And I don't know. I think I always used to read those things and and thought that Jesus wanted me to live a pretty miserable, boring life uh, <laughs> until I until I started actually doing it and and started actually owning less and mm-hmm. and living out what what he called me to do and realizing, hey, this is just a better way to live. I'm I'm able to pursue those things that are important to me. I'm able to pursue those things uh, that are important for eternity, those things that bring me real purpose and real fulfillment. You know, go figure that 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 Jesus knew best, right? Um, mm-hmm. why, um, why I thought, you know, Madison Avenue had a, a better recipe for happiness and fulfillment in life. I'm, I'm not sure why I ever fell into that trap. I, I, I think... I think you make a, a compelling point, and I think I think you're absolutely right. I think there is something in all of our hearts uh, that that wants that minimalist life. So again, the book, 
If you want to get it, I'll put a link in the show notes. Is The Minimalist Home, a room-by-room guide to, de- to a decluttered, refocused life. Uh, again, link to that in the show notes. Also, the website, becomingminimalist.com. Link to that in the show notes. If people want to get a hold of you, Joshua Becker, what are the other ways they can do it? Uh, you know what? The website is best. Uh, becomingminimalist.com uh, seems to be the headquarters for everything. Um, uh, there's books and a couple of magazines that we've started. Um, certainly, they can find me on Facebook and Twitter, but uh, everything seems to run through that website. So I, I'd send people there to find out more. Thanks awesome. for letting me plug that. Yeah, of course. Uh, and and lastly, this is something I try to ask everybody. What is, it doesn't have to be minimalism, but it would be nice if it was. What is one key habit that everybody, that you do every day that you think everybody should be doing every day? Oh, one key habit. Um, you know what? I... Uh, Hopefully, you didn't want a short answer. No, I uh, <laughs> I, I learned in college. Uh, I learned in college the value of solitude, um, the value of sitting quietly with yourself, um, and uh, it is something that uh, I I when I am in the habit of doing it, uh, I see great strides and growth and 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 um, uh, opportunity in my life. Uh, and when I get away from it, is when I uh, tend to become far more unintentional. So, uh, solitude, quiet. Um, sitting by yourself uh, each day alone. There it is. All right, Joshua Becker, thank you so much for your time. Links to the books, the websites, the social media accounts in the show notes, and we genuinely appreciate your time. Thank you. So, Gib, I have a feeling that uh, that my wife, Connie, is going to find this guy's uh, home number and call him because this is everything that she wants to do with her life. I mean, look, it's it's it, the the results are real. The stress is real. I think as a society, we've realized that this consumption is not working for us anymore. And so, I yeah. And think about it. Think about all the baby boomers that have decided to downsize. They sell their houses. They move to a condo. They have right. to get rid of all their stuff. And that's one of the issues that we're talking about here. Uh, and, and so, like, look, I, I just I think I think we all need it. And if you talk about the disease that is chronic stress and how much stress stuff is adding to our lives, then by all means, we need this. Do you feel like you're uh, with all these great, I mean, lately, like the last 15 or 20 interviews have been so amazing on the podcast. Do you feel like you're absorbing all this stuff and changing your life at all? I'm trying to, but it's starting to clash into it. It's like, you know, be minimalist, eat more of this food. All of a sudden, you know, I'm just going to have like a seizure one day and just <laughs> and revert back to my caveman self. Uh, but anyway, that's it for our we'll, show today. We'll wait for that. <laughs> if it happens, follow us on uh, on John's Facebook page, facebook.com slash John Tesh. We'll show pictures of me having a nervous breakdown. We are also there all the time. We are showing uh, videos, having interviews uh, communicating with people there. John on Twitter at John Tesh, on Instagram at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard, Facebook.com slash Gib Gerard, at Gib Gerard on Facebook and Twitter, or on Instagram and Twitter. And if you like our show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Makes a big difference. We appreciate you guys. <laughs> <laughs>